Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So happy to be here. It's Monday, April something. It's the 12th. That used to be tax day this week. I think they pushed that out a month ahead. That's okay with me. We're here to talk to my creatives. I have a very special show for you today. I've got three guests. I met them all at different national publicity summits, which those of my regular viewers, and we're live on Facebook, apparently. That's what the message says here. Uh, you all know I meet most, I meet 99.9% of my guests at Steve Harris. National Publicity Summit, which has been virtual. And I'm glad because I don't fly much. So I get to do it online. And it's great. Every eight weeks, I meet another batch of 30, 40 wonderful people. And we have one person I met at the December summit and two I met at the February summit. So I'll call them the classes are, are intermingling here. Their topics are so wide ranging, so far ranging that it even amazes me the three of them are here on the show. And we're all going to be touching on the key topic of creativity. If you're watching on Facebook, this is Read my lips. Cool conversations with creatives and as a little science as I am, a.k.a. Radio Red. So before I introduce my three guests, we want to hear their voices. I'm going to give you a special homework assignment right now here live. Lynn Guerin, Linda Saltman, and Catherine Turner, I want you to say hello, LLL, and I'll tell you why in a second. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. Hello, LLL. Wow, you all got 100%. That was great. LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. Lynn, you've listened to the show. He's nodding. I think Linda has too. And Laura is in Whitestone, New York. And so we're still taking up a fictitious GoFundMe account to raise money to move her to London. Okay, so it can be lovely, lanky Laura Legs, my most loyal listener in London. And that's our goal. So you can contribute fictitiously to the fund. So here we are. And let me do a quick introduction of my guests. So let's see who we've got today. I started with the gentleman on the top right. I'm looking at Zoom. And oops, something just fell. Linda Saltman, you can pick that up quietly while we're looking at Lynn. Lynn Guerin is CEO and founder of the John R. Wooden Course LLC. He's president of Guerin Marketing Services and co-author of Coach Him Way Up, Five Lessons for Leading the Wooden Way. Lynn, I'm going to give Linda a relief because she's struggling there. So I'm going to put you on speaker view. Lynn Guerin, why don't you just take a minute here and why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and what is the wooden course? It's not doing it. Uh, th- thanks so much, Red. Yeah, well, I've been in the consulting, training, and performance improvement world uh, my whole career, and I've had an opportunity to work with, uh, you know, Fortune uh, 50 uh, corporations uh, in all kinds of different industries. So my passion is really helping people be the best that they can be and had a chance a number of years ago to meet a legendary UCLA coach, John Wooden, and that really created a whole new chapter in my life and a whole new direction for my business and my creativity uh, as we uh, as we put that all together. So I'm delighted to be with you here today. Thank you very much, Lynn. And we'll talk about Coach John Wooden. And I can't tell you how many times over the years on my business radio shows, people have quoted Coach John Wooden. I used <laughs> to accept inspirational quotes from 
real people living or past, and past is a term we're going to talk with Catherine Turner about because she has a problem with people say they expired or they passed away or they used to be alive. <laughs> we're going to talk about that, Catherine. And I remember, and I used to look up the source, and it was Coach John Wooden, and so many people were quoting him because he was a leader of leaders, right? Absolutely. And he had a way of humanizing. And I don't think he used the word winner. I know you comment that in your book. He just yeah, yeah, he never used the word win and he never used the word lose all the time, all the years he coached, over 47 years. And would you would you call that his creativity, Lynn? Uh, I think that was a, yeah, he, he had an incredible mind. So his, his sense of cre- creativity was at a very high order. There you go. We're going to talk more about that and, and why you got involved with the course and what it means to you. And I read the first couple chapters of your book, Very Well Done, and I read Jason's story as well. And I'm, we could have had Jason here with you, too, maybe, maybe another time. So thank you very much. The lady whose poster just fell down in the back, I'm not going to embarrass you, darling. It's Linda Saltman, who has a beautiful laugh and a beautiful singing voice. And Linda is a children's librarian, a poet, a puppeteer. She's the author of a couple of books. One is a Jiffy, J-I-F-F-I-E, adventure. Jiffy saves the day about a giraffe. And she's the owner of the self-publishing company, Joyful Children's Stories. And that's a beautiful thing. So, Linda Saltman, I'm going to put you on speaker view. when you please do a brief introduction to my audience? Go ahead, Linda. Well, I, hello, Radio Red. It's a delight to being here. I wanted to um, just let you know that uh, I'm very passionate about the um, – uh, the book that I that I'm uh, talking about because of the uh, entertainment and education that it can bring to to so many people and so much uh, it's it's just really exciting at the thought and uh, my creativity is uh, I don't know in many different areas and they all just kind of came together at different parts of my life. Well, Linda, I want to thank you so much, and I will tell you that I listened to your Jiffy story. I listened to the MP3 today, and it's delightful. You sing, and you have all kinds of sound effects, but the important thing is that you include moral lessons and life lessons mm. in your stories. It's not just that there was a giraffe who wanted to play, but she was too tall to play hide-and-seek. Well, there was a gypsy moth down by the water who wanted her to have some candy that wasn't good for her, and she remembered her mother's lesson don't take candy from strangers or strange candy from people either way. And that was the lesson in her little friend, Aroma, the skunk. I love the names, Linda. I love you have a delightful way of presenting a story, but it's an important. It's not just a moral lesson, Linda. It's a safety lesson. Were you, was that your purpose when you created Jiffy Story? Yes. Yes, it was. It, um, what, what actually happened was there were unsavory characters in the area uh, when my children were young. And uh, I had written a puppet show early, a few years before, but I had another birthday party for my son coming up. And it is, and I decided um, I wanted to do something more than, uh, you know, something with the store, with the, with the problem going on. And so I wrote this puppet show for him. And uh, it really, it really worked out well. And then it was just many years later that it evolved into the uh, into the beautiful book that it, it is today. Um, my my daughter uh, Jennifer did the uh, graphic design, the, the computer graphic design work, and uh, my husband oversaw the whole book. He was he's an 
he was an artist. He was a photographer, and um, he had his own. And in time, he had his own ink company, American Inkjet Systems, that um, brought him to getting uh, calls from people. And one person in particular who called him up and was having problems with their printer wound up. Um, uh, he kept. He asked him, "Well, can I can I uh, come up and see you um, because you're having so many problems?" And she was, you know, so delighted. And it turned out that when we went up, um, he went up, he took care of the problem. And that 4th of July, uh, when they had a party, they invited us there. And in doing so, um, that's where I met my author, my, not excuse me, my author, my um, artist, my illustrator. Who, nice. um, yeah, it just kind of all evolved in, into things. And uh, that's, that's kind of how it happened because I asked her at the party, I said, you know, I was thinking of putting this, uh, putting a puppet show of mine into a, into a book. Would you be interested in helping me? And all she said was the word sure. <laughs> that's and all she said. Linda, I think I have a word that you of the three panelists might know better than anybody else, but I'm not counting on the word is beshert. <laughs> beshert, yes. Beshert, it's a, it's a Jewish word. It's a Hebrew word for meant to be fate, kismet. <laughs> Catherine, you know what that means, and Lynn, you know what that means. So it was fate, it was beshert that you were invited to that party, and you talked about your book, and the illustrator was there and said, sure. Congratulations on that. The world does move in very interesting ways, doesn't it? So we'll leave it at that. Thank you, Linda. <laughs> Linda, I'm going to ask you to move back just a little bit from your camera, because we're getting such a full face. I want to be able to see you without oh. blurring. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. I love your headset. I still think you're going to take off into a space shuttle with that headset. <laughs> I haven't seen one quite that grand. I love your headset, Linda Saltman. Thank you. And now let's get to my third guest, Catherine Turner. No, it's not Kathleen Turner. It's Catherine Turner. I had to say that because right. I bet you get that all the time. And Catherine Turner talks about leaving a legacy. We all know, we all know somebody, including ourselves, who ain't going to be here someday. And Catherine has written a book on how to prepare with love to leave your wishes, to leave your hopes, to leave your desires for after you're gone when you won't be in this physical world to tell people what you wanted them to do to do the best you can. So, Catherine Turner, happy to have you here. We're not going to make this morbid. We have so many fun topics to talk about, but you do it in a beautiful way. So, Catherine Turner, please introduce yourself to my audience and tell us a little bit about your creativity in creating your beautiful book. You did a nice job on it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and, you know, part of the creativity is taking the subject of death and making it so that it isn't scary to talk about or is it, it, there is, it isn't fraught with fear. You know, this is all about making sure that you are just organized to the point where you're not leaving loved ones battered with questions and decisions and issues, you know, at a time when they are very highly charged emotionally because they've just lost you, whether expectedly or not. So my book is called Create a Legacy of Love, Everything Your Loved Ones Need to Know When You Can No Longer Tell Them. And I'll tell you, um, you know, what was the word? Bashard? Bashert. Like, like, like okay. Bashert. Sort of. Okay. That's what I said. Go ahead. That is, um, is very much uh, a word that I feel like I'd live by. <laughs> um, so I had the inspiration for this book come to me in a dream, just out of nowhere. It felt like, honestly, I hadn't even thought of the subject matter yet. And I had no idea. I, I woke up and the idea was, was clear as can be. 
but I didn't know how I might accomplish it based on the fact that I was already running a business, raising a couple kids, really overwhelmed with um, homeschooling and um, in a bad marriage, just, you know, things weren't really going my way. So I thought, okay, um, it felt like a message from God, honestly, write this book, hmm. like an assignment. And I don't know about you, but when God gives me an assignment, I'm, I'm going to take that pretty seriously. So, so I got to work doing a lot of research on the subject matter. And I, I honestly became quite passionate about it as a direct result of everything that I heard from families who had really been fractured. And um, it, it made me realize that we actually, we owe our loved ones. We owe it to our loved ones to be organized so that we're leaving them in the best place possible when they pass on. Yes. Thank you. It's, it's a, it's a touchy topic. It can be a touchy-feely topic, and yeah. people want to skirt around it. Catherine, it's so hard to even do a will. I moved from New York to North Carolina three years ago, and I understood that the New York will was not going to be accepted legally. Just, okay, you're in a different state. Not every state accepts wills from other states. And I had to hire an attorney and go back to a will that I had spent a lot of time preparing several years ago in New York on Long Island. I had, a, I was doing marketing for an attorney. And we did a barter. I did some brochures for her, and she did my will for me, and that worked out really well. But the point was that I had to revisit everything, and I had to rethink everything. I had the opportunity, Catherine. It's to an rethink. opportunity. Yes, the opportunity. And I had to go through a list. When my mom died, she passed away at 100 in my arms, in her own bed, Oh. No, no aid, no anybody. She, she said, well, you're going to pay somebody to watch me get up, get my hair and nails done once a week, play the piano, play mahjong, play bridge, have lunch with my friends. She said, you're going to pay somebody to help me do that? What do I need help for? So she coughed one night and it turns out it was the flu from 2017 that we didn't know she had and that was it. But the, the point was that she left lists that I typed up. She was an antique dealer and she left lists, lists of what I was going to get my sister predeceased, my mother. So my sister's take, if you will, uh, from my mom went to me and my children. My sister didn't have kids. So I was familiar with exactly which bronze and which lamp and mm -hmm. which set of dishes went to which child. And I was aware from my mom. And she typed up a list with the provenance of every piece. She was a high-end antique dealer. And it was interesting. So when I had to go through this, I said, well, I don't have the car I had in New York, Catherine. I bought a new car here. I don't have the 850 square foot high-end condo co-op I had in New York. I've got a beautiful 2,300 square foot house here. I had to change all the details, right? Sure. So it was an interesting exercise, but it was tough, and I cried. And it was very tough for me to have to have that conversation with myself. Let's just, let me, I know I don't want to turn this into a study in wills and legacy, but I see the nods going on. Catherine, you touched the nerve in me, obviously. Let's just, just do this a little bit. Lynn, any experience you have with this you want to talk uh, about? I, uh, frankly, the experience couldn't be any fresher. Uh, two weeks ago, I was in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, uh, essentially conducting the funeral service for my older brother, uh, who died fairly uh, suddenly, uh, two years older, and really from a family that didn't have uh, really dysfunctional, not a lot of capability to even think about those things, mm -hmm. let alone take care of them all. I mean, even to the point that when I showed up, I, I literally, because 
I'm likely the one in the family that this would happen. You know, I had to pay for uh, some expenses that nobody had thought about, kind of had to take care of things. Uh, The fact that we were, you know, even going to do some kind of a memory or memorial service and in front of his own children, try to celebrate in a very positive way the contribution that he'd made in his life. Uh, An uneducated man yet who still, you know, for 43 years hung in there and did the best he could to raise his family and be a faithful husband. And so creating, you know, a a positive energy just around his passing was a monumental task. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but also very uh, encouraging and gave me a whole new level of sense of appreciation for him and his life and ultimately what our legacy is generationally in, in our family. You know, we had a father that took off and when we were three and come to find out his dad had taken off and his dad had taken off. So we didn't have a father raising a son in our family for 110 years. And wow. one of my life goals was to break that cycle. And that's even part of the story of the book we wrote. And so Catherine's work is absolutely essential from so many, uh, so many perspectives. Thank you, Lynn, for sharing that. Catherine C., and I wasn't going to talk much about your book, and you've already grabbed everybody. Linda Saltman, you want to make a comment? And we don't want, this is not about sadness. This is just about awareness or or, or a, a, a gut response to what Catherine has written about. Linda Saltman, anything you want to say, dear? Well, my husband did pass five years ago, and my daughter was very instrumental in helping me with a lot of things. That, that's the way it is. A funny story. My best friend passed away 12 hours before my sister passed away. Mm-hmm. And my best friend had helped me out when I was out of work. He had a big independent, uh, shall we just say a textile company, men's, men's underwear, private label. And I was <laughs> doing the design work for the bags, for the poly bags. And they, he helped me in between jobs because I was a graphic designer. So I'm going to the funeral home to pick out the casket for my sister with my mom, who was 98 at the time, wrenching. And I ran into my best friend's son at the funeral parlor because there's one main funeral parlor in Great Neck, New York, and everybody goes there. And that's just It's a place to meet nice people when they're not at their best. <laughs> so I looked at Marty, and I'd known him because I'd worked with his dad and his company for years. And I said, Marty, I can't go to your dad's funeral. I'm here planning my sister's. They had died within 12 hours of each. They didn't know each other, but it was just one of those very strange things. So, Catherine, I want to talk more about your book, but I want to move on a little bit now. So, Catherine, uh, just quickly, what did you think of the response? is how you touched all of us. What's your thought? Well, I found that 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 is a very typical, it brings up a lot of emotion for people. And my mission is that those emotions that are brought up after someone passes are more positive and more fulfilling than, than sad and wrenching. That is my mission. And it's all about being prepared so that you can leave those loved ones with um, feelings of gratitude and joy for your life as opposed to sadness that you no longer are there. You know, we need to stop fearing death so much in our culture. You know, death is simply an exhale. Birth is an inhale. It's, it's all one big breath. And if we just look at it that way as this natural thing um, in which there's nothing to fear, I think it can be transforming. Honestly, I think that if we were fully prepared, we may not fear death. 
as much. You know, I don't fear the process of dying, but what I fear is where might I be leaving my, my children? Mm-hmm. And what kind of emotional state, what kind of physical state, where might I be leaving them? So I think if we button a lot of that stuff up, we have nothing to fear. Lynn, talk. What? Yeah, uh, and if I could tie uh, uh, maybe a couple of points together here. I'm thinking yeah. about uh, creativity. I'm thinking about uh, Coach Wooden. I'm thinking about this scenario around uh, life and death. And uh, I interviewed Coach Wooden a number of times uh, in public. You know, he lived to be 99 years mm-hmm. old. I saw. And nine months, lived to almost be 100. I started working with him literally when he was 85. So he, he was my business partner in the very late fourth quarter of his life. Uh, interviewing him in public a number of times, he was always asked the question, because this was when he was in his mid-90s, Coach, are you afraid to die? He was always asked that question. Uh, and he, he had a number of very powerful responses to it. And it was never, never, he was never afraid. He talked about fear early in his life about it, but then talked about, you know, ultimately being with his wife of 53 years. She had passed away 20 years before he did. Mm-hmm. But he did a very creative thing uh, after having uh, had that question asked a couple of times. He went away and wrote a poem. Mm-hmm. And uh, at 94 years old, he wrote a poem called Don't Look Back. Uh, and I've, uh, I've memorized it. I won't take the time to recite it, but it's a very powerful message uh, about how you look at your life and what the opportunity to look forward is and uh, just incredible creativity at the age of 94 on the subject, literally, of, of dying and not fearing death in any way, shape or form. Thank you, Lynn. Maybe at the end of the show, you'll give us a, a brief reading of part of the poem. I, 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 I'd be happy to share it if we I had time. I think we could. And I'll tell you a funny story, Catherine, not so funny. Mm-hmm. Today, with different generations, I, I started having kids when I was before my 20th birthday. So I was a fairly young mother. I don't know. Today, they seem to be having them much later in life. But the point is that today, tastes being what they are, a lot of our kids, grown adult children, don't want our possessions. They've already got their lives. They have their homes. They don't want what I have here. So the question today isn't to whom do you leave it is to whom do you not burden your crap with? I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's a different thing. Do you goodwill it away? Do you give it to another charity? Do you have a garage sale? Do you burn it? I don't know. I don't know. So that's a whole other thing, Catherine. On we're alive. We're in, I, I had somebody on the show a couple of weeks ago who was an interior designer, and I was telling her to my walls of my living room are candy apple red. You can tell I like red. And one <laughs> one bathroom is a light lavender because I think it's pretty. And my music room where my drums are is a light, uh, la- it's a, a, I want to say turquoise and teal to go with a, a rug that I my mother left me. It's lovely. And one bathroom is like a peachy salmon color to go with the tile and the, uh, the floor and, and the counters. And the back wall behind my bed in my master bedroom is a dark gray. So this contrast with the white walls. And this woman looked at me and she said, you're never going to sell that house. <laughs> and I said, why? Because nobody's going to like your colors. And yeah. she said, but but as long as you're enjoying it while you're living in it. And I thought, my God, it's my house. I'm alive. <laughs> These are my, I put sparkly red quartz backsplash in the kitchen and white sparkly counter had the whole kitchen painted white because it was dark. And I'm like, and she said, oh, you're never, you got to make everything beige and blue and light gray because it won't sell. And then she, she took a, a, a pause for a second. She said, well, as long as you're living there when you like it. And I want to say, but. All of my stuff I have, 
I like. It's here because <laughs> I want it. I like it. I'm happy. This is my life. It's not what's it going to sell for and who's going to look at it? What's the realtor going to say about us? I know we're getting off on a tangent. Catherine, Catherine Turner, look what you did. You opened up this whole conversation on Read My Lips Radio. How dare you? <laughs> Catherine, very, very nicely done. I'll have to tell you, you, lady, are a conversation starter. You know what I'm going to do for a little bit of relief now before we get too deep into this? We're going to get into all of your books and your stories in a few minutes, but I think it's time for celebrity birthdays because we've been talking about people passing, and I have a list of celebrities who were born today. And you will all remain. These are all people who are alive. I try not to pick people who have passed, Catherine. That's my goal. Sometimes they're so famous when they've already gone that I have to mention them. So anybody remember actress Jane Withers? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Well, she's 94 today, so you can say happy birthday to Jane Withers. Herbie Hancock, the musician, is 80. Just nod if you remember them. Ed O'Neill. Who doesn't know Ed O'Neill? Modern Family, Married with Children. He was the, the husband of Gloria on Modern Family. I love that show. It won awards year in and year out. It was so crazy and so dysfunctional and so wonderfully functional, and you fell in love with everybody. Dan Loria from The Wonder Years, and he does a lot of mm-hmm. character actors. 73. Happy birthday, Dan Loria. David Letterman could be Dan Loria's brother. They're both 73. Did everybody say happy birthday, David Letterman? Happy Happy birthday, birthday, David David Letterman. There you go. You're well behaved. Uh, Singer J.D. Nicholas of the Commodores. Everybody remember the Commodores? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 68. Singer Pat Travers. I'm not sure I remember who she is, but I think it's a woman. 66. Andy Garcia is 64 today. He's in a new sitcom. I don't know which one. He's showing up on something that's starting next week. Uh, Vince Gill, country singer, is 63. If anybody knows the actress known as Retta, her full name is Loretta. She's in Good Girls. If you've seen that, it's a little, and Parks and Recreation. She's a woman she's of color. Well, I like isn't her. She's she something funnier than heck. I love her. Sense yes. of humor. She's got a, a, a verve to her. She just, her characters embrace, like, there's something about, yeah, I know, as something about her that just, just reaches off the TV. She's 50. Shannon Doherty, Beverly Hills 902, something or other, bad girl of Beverly Hills. 49. Actress Claire Danes, very well known, 41. Matt McGorry, does anybody remember How to Get Away with Murder? Viola, Viola Davis's show. Remember How to Get Away with Murder? I, I watched every season. I loved it. Anyway, Matt McGorry played Asher Millstone, one of the young lawyers who was in graduate school, law school, learning from the character played by Viola. Very, very interesting. Uh, Brooklyn Decker, She's Mallory Hansen on Great Grace and Frankie. Anybody remember? Beautiful. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Model and actress. Very interesting. The other sister, the other daughter. Right. 33. How, how do people get to be that famous at that age? I don't know. There's a drummer whose band is called Red. He used to play for Red. He's also 30. It's Joe Rickard, or Rickard as you might call him. I'm a drummer. So I had to put his birthday in, even though I don't know who he is. He was in the Up and Coming Drummers of 2010 by Modern Drummer Magazine. That's my goal, but I'll never do it at 33 because I just started <laughs> playing two years ago. Lynn's laughing and you appreciate that. Actress Sorsha Ronan is 26 today. I don't know if you know this. She's, she was in the movie Brooklyn, speaking of Brooklyn. Okay. She was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress at age 13. Mm. She was the seventh youngest nominee in the category. How do you get that high? Patty Duke was probably up there as one of the youngest, I'm guessing. So that's it for famous birthdays. None of you are having a birthday today, are you? Because we would owe you a happy, no? Not today. Linda, not today. Okay, good. Now, well, not good, just okay. Now, 
let's go to the national holidays and we're going to go around the table. I'm going to name a holiday. We have quite a few of them and you're going to tell me for celebrating. So today is National Grilled Cheese Day. And the question is, how can something that tastes so good be this simple? What's the secret? Aaron Christensen, the owner of a Central Oregon restaurant that won a reader's poll for best family restaurant, says a perfect grilled cheese has to have a super crispy exterior brushed with garlic oil. Oh, be still my heart. Lots of melty cheese in the center. Thick cut handmade bread is a must. So has anybody ever had a grilled cheese sandwich that good? Lynn Garen? Not quite with those ingredients. I don't think so. Linda or, or Catherine? I don't think Actually, so. Actually, yeah. Oh. A good grilled cheese sandwich, a gourmet grilled cheese sandwich is to die for. You've, you've had them? Where did you have it? Oh, you know, it seemed like it was somewhere in New York. I couldn't tell you. It was a long time ago. But I just remember thinking, wow, grilled cheese will never, you know, will never be the same in my book. I can't do it up on my stove like I will have to remember that. I like the idea of the garlic oil, but I think I'd put some garlic salt into some good olive oil and let that pass for garlic oil. I don't know. It's just me, so nobody would know the difference. Okay, tomorrow, this is a strange one. It's National Be Kind to Lawyers Day. Mm. Uh, That that, that must be only celebrated within the lawyer community. (laughs) I I think you are right. We don't want to talk about the national scene. It's also let's let's divert to something else. Tomorrow, April 13th is not Friday, it's Tuesday the 13th is make lunch count day. Lynn, are you going to make lunch count tomorrow? Seriously? I try to make lunch count every day. There you go. And some of us sit at the lunch counter and we make it count. Linda Saltman, are you going to have something special for lunch tomorrow? Well, now that you mention it, <laughs> well. <laughs> well done. Catherine Turner, what do you think? I almost feel like I should make myself a grilled cheese sandwich. I, I knew that was where you were going. It's also, <laughs> in case you don't want that grilled cheese tomorrow, it's Peach Cobbler Day and it's Scrabble Day. So the question is, is anybody going to play Scrabble or have Peach Cobbler? What do you think? I, I play words. words with friends every day with a couple of friends. I you do? do? Do you know what? I'm trying to put on lights to get this little ghosty thing away from me. You know what? Every night before I go to bed, whether it's midnight, one, or sometimes two in the morning, I have between 18 and 25 words with friends games waiting for me. Oh, oh my goodness. I'm I'm playing with about eight people, and one of them I have 10 games with. Another one I have three games. Another one I have five games. One of them I haven't played with in years, and I save the games up for when I'm in bed with my big big iPad and I prop it up and I bought the stylus. I treated myself a stylus and I will play it until the iPad goes clunk down on my belly. Then I know I'm really, really tired, but I use it to take the rest of the energy. Do you do it at night, Catherine? I do. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes, sometimes just to take, take a little break during the middle of the day too. I've only got about five games going at one time though. Find me. I think I'm listed as AKA radio red. Okay. Find me or invite me if you. you, What's your average word? Um, Um, I've I've got words uh, in the high twenties, I think, and I've got words sometimes that are thirty to fifty. I I sometimes I find them, and sometimes I I use the you know the Scrabble word finder. Hey, I think we all use it. But (laughs) I'm playing with some, and and if I know I'm at least fifty points behind in a game, I don't worry so much because it would be hard to catch up. But if I'm anywhere from twenty to thirty, I will work really hard on finding a word to get me within ten points so that it can be an even match. I love words with friends. That Linda, meter. I, I absolutely. Linda, I absolutely love Scrabble. I, I used to play it with my parents all the time and my sister, 
and now it's really kind of cool on um oh, what do you call it again when you text it on the uh what do you call it again the the phone because uh it, you're talking about words with friends that we're talking about playing the game words with friends because it's scrabble it's, it's scrabble and and it's um what is it called Scoby, or I don't know what, what the what the name is and, and such, but what it ha- it's it is Scrabble. And what's really cool about this particular way of playing Scrabble is that you take words and you put them underneath. You you know uh, words that never were words before are accepted, and the points just double and triple in front of your eyes. I've wow. got there four hundred points doing Scrabble. Oh my I'm telling god! You, it's it's. Awesome. I love it. And I first started playing it that way when I had a problem with my uh, with my foot last year and I want and I needed to do some things. So, so I, I wound up looking on my phone and I saw Scrabble and said, oh, this ought to be cool. And then I would see different things. And then they actually have like a a, um, what do you call it, a, a manual mm-hmm. of all the different words that you can put in, like like J.O. is considered a word. Um, oh, J-O is a word in, in, in Words with Friends, too. J-O is a word. And C-A. And, and, I mean, it's like yeah. all over the place. And, and, and the words themselves. And you have to be lucky at times, too, with, with the hands you of get. Of course. But there are times now when I can just get, get, just get consonants. And because you can attach them to the vowels, it's sort of like you always have something to, to work with. So it really, you know, I send I, us the name of the game. I'm I'm time. curious which one you're playing. Okay. After, after the show, email me the name of the game. I'd like to know that. Let me move on. Wednesday is International Moment of the Laughter Day. Lynn Guerin, can we celebrate that one? Oh, I think I try to celebrate that every single day. I think we're always looking for a way to have some joy in our life, and it, it, hopefully, it comes out in natural laughter. And yeah, I love moment the laughter. And yeah. it's also laundry day. So, <laughs> Catherine Turner, laundry or moment of, are you going to laugh while you're doing the laundry? What do you think? So once, a, once a year, you can do the laundry. Go ahead, Catherine. I think I'll focus on the moment of laughter. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things. I, I like that, too. Now, uh, it's also, wait a minute, that was, let me see. You know what? That was Thursday. I skipped Wednesday. How dare I? So, mm-hmm. it's also Wednesday. It's also National Ex-Spouse Day. Does anybody have an ex-spouse? <laughs> two of them. You, two, you have two of them. Well, are you going to celebrate them on Wednesday? Sure. Okay. Uh, you, you could say no if you want to. It's okay. I, I don't know what you do. It's no, also we're, we're good. We're good. We're good, good. friends. It's yeah. gardening day and look up at the sky day. So if you don't want to celebrate your exes, you could look up at the sky and you could garden. Lynn Garen, what were you thinking? Uh, well, I, I, I was thinking whether or not uh, you may be celebrating your exes, but are your exes celebrating you? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> that, that is a good point. Now, Thursday, in addition to laundry day, is National High Five Day. Everybody do a high five. Yeah. Okay, we, we took care of that. Now, Friday, we're getting back to food. National Eggs Benedict Day on Friday. Does anybody still make egg be- eggs Benedict? Oh, we- yeah. Do you? Yes. I haven't had them in years. Make in- it and order it. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. We have, we have a restaurant here in Temecula, California. Um, uh, we have a section called Old Town, and it's essentially a uh, a Western-looking town. Many of the buildings go back to the 1860s, and they have one of the best breakfast places in North America, and they serve eggs Benedict that are to die for. 
Wow. Well, we're, we're all going to be coming and visiting to have breakfast with you <laughs> and laugh in the moment day. Let me move on here. Let's see. So uh, Friday, National High Five Day, and uh, Eggs Benedict, Librarian Day, Selena Day. And here's the one I like. Friday is Wear Pajamas to Work Day. Now, during the pandemic, when so many people working remotely, maybe the top wasn't pajamas, but the bottoms might have been. Does <laughs> anybody here want to admit to that? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I have okay. no shame. Good. There you go. Linda? I actually uh, did a, uh, what do you call it again? Did a library program where it was a, uh, a nighttime program for children. And uh, I went in pajamas. I got really cool. Um, oh, cool. And yeah. In person. In person. In person. And Pre-COVID. Wore them. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, I bet they love that. Uh, let's see now. Saturday, National Husband Appreciation Day. Catherine Turner, if you're not celebrating the exes. Um, you know, I don't have a husband, <laughs> but I do have an awesome boyfriend, so I'll celebrate that. You, you could do that. We'll make it into boyfriend appreciation. It's also bad appreciation day. Please, nobody say anything. Not not after COVID. It's also haiku appreciation day and cheese ball day. So if you didn't have a good Grilled cheese today. It's cheese ball day. Lynn Garen, are you writing that down? Cheese ball day on Saturday? No, I was writing down National Husband Appreciation Day. My wife and I are going away on Saturday, so I'm looking forward to a big night. There you go. Does any... Nice. <laughs> okay, Lynn, you got me on that one. That, very well done sneaking that in on the host. Thank you very much. Now... Saturday is also, I mentioned, Haiku Poetry Day. Does anybody remember haiku? Oh, yeah. Do you remember? Let me read a little definition for those in the audience who may not. A haiku, it's H-A-I-K-U, is an ancient form of Japanese poetry that consists of three lines with a syllable structure, five, seven, five. This is contested, actually, as a Western way of teaching haiku, but some people say it was the original. Haikus count sounds, not only syllables. Haiku typically revolves around nature the changing of the seasons, or ephemeral beauty. Ah, I like mm. that. They rely more on images than metaphors. It's concise due to the short length. Try one. I don't have any examples for you, but if you look up <laughs> haiku, H-A-I-K-U, I bet we could write one among us, but we don't have enough time. <laughs> Sunday is National Animal Crackers Day. Animal crackers in my... Remember, Barbara Streisand sang that? And it's Lineman Appreciation Day. Where are you going to find a lineman today? They're doing fiber optics. Are they up on the lines? I, Unless it means something else, Catherine, am I missing a meaning for lineman? I'm, I'm lost too. Okay, you have to go to Wichita, probably. Nope. Yes, and the Wichita lineman, <laughs> da, 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 uh, Glenn Campbell. And yeah. Monday, next Monday, so, because I won't be on the air till 7 o'clock at night Eastern, it's National Garlic Day. So that would be the garlic, <laughs> garlic oil from the grilled cheese. There we go. So let's spend a couple of minutes with each of you diving a little more deeply into what you do or your book. So Lynn Guerin, I'm going to ask you to please take a few minutes and talk a little bit about what are the key lessons from John Wooden that you want to instill in listeners, viewers, readers of your book. Very well well done, your book, by the way. And please send my best to Jason. did a really nice job on, on his part. I loved his story. So t- t- tell us, what do you want people to remember from your perspective of creative leadership about this gentleman, Coach John Wooden? And how would somebody apply that to their everyday life, even if they're not a CEO 
or the leader uh-huh. of a team at work? And I bet you get that question often, Lynn. So, Lynn Guerin, why don't you take about four minutes? I want to divide up the, the time left. Lynn, I'm putting you on speaker view. Go ahead, please. Okay, great. Yeah, well, um, I get a lot of questions about why John Wooden. Uh, and not everybody, you know, if you're probably under uh, 50 years old or 45 years old, you may not even know uh, who he is. Uh, so that idea of just looking up John Wooden and finding out uh, who he is and why he matters, uh, you know, is an important part of what we were trying to, uh, to do with the book. You know, he's considered America's greatest coach, but as a philosopher, teacher, leader, mm-hmm. uh, executive uh, thinker, uh, he's absolute uh, paramount uh, in, in the way he approached life and the way he lived life and the way he inspired people. Um, and, you know, he was also a, a great teacher, a coach, always inspiring others to be the best. Uh, and he, he also was the living embodiment of something called the pyramid of success. He developed this construct that were 25 behaviors that define how you become successful in your life. And that really was his blueprint for day-to-day behavior, um, you know, in every way that he lived. Uh, Part of what we try to do uh, in the book is to inspire people to think of themselves as the head coach of their own life. Mm. I mean, you can do a lot of whining and complaining about the state of your life, but ultimately you've got to promote yourself to be the head coach of your own life take control over it and take control of the responsibilities for making your life the best that it can be. And that's likely going to happen when you put your, put yourself in a place where you're sharing and serving and coaching and and developing others. Uh, You know, coach was a big fan of mother Teresa who often said, you know, a life not lived for others is no life at all. And I think that's what John Wooden's life was about as a, as a teacher uh, and, and an educator. And uh, so you essentially have to promote yourself to that position of being head coach uh, of your own life. And there's no better candidate, right, for that job than you, uh, than to take the responsibility. You're the person who ultimately has the most at stake. Uh, And there's so many examples that you can look to for mentoring and coaching. It's such a wonderful thing to do. It's such a wonderful thing to be. Uh, You know, uh, mentoring is something you both are and something you do. And so in the, in the book, we really tried to share a model of how John Wooden coached his own life in a framework that, you know, that it can work for your business and uh, for your life. Uh, we like to think about it from a family perspective, too. You know, it's a real challenge today. And I, I know we've got a mixed set of circumstances and experiences mm-hmm. just in this group in our own life. But the, the idea of how do we make our home team the strong team, Right. And, yeah. and how to, whether you're a coach mom or coach dad or your coach mom and coach dad working together. And many times these days that that's not the uh, case. And, you know, it's interesting. I think I have come to the conclusion of uh, maybe over the last 15 years working with coach Wood, uh, Wooden that I'm not so sure uh, that, that a lot of, of uh, women aren't more natural head coaches than men are. Because some of the real fundamentals that made Coach Wooden so great uh, in terms of the ability to develop strong relationships, the Mm -hmm. ability to communicate, the ability to listen, the ability to handle great detail, uh, the ability to control emotions. I mean, a whole series of things that represent sort of this perfect blueprint of what a great head coach um, is all about. So, um, you know, 
Coach Wooden really sort of transformed my life. And as I, you know, took on just this opportunity to, to, when you were around Coach Wooden, he had this aura and this sense, you know, in, in the Bible, it talks about the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. That described the man perfectly. He had an incredible essence and sense of his his spirit um, that that um, it, he was often described with the uh, the phrase uh, his greatness was only exceeded by his goodness, mm-hmm. and and he had a voice that never needed to be raised to be heard. I mean, you could just take those two powerful ideas and build the challenge and the opportunity of of creating a better life just around those two ideas, right? Never having to raise your voice to be heard and always trying to make the the goodness in your life even more important than any greatness that you seek uh, in your life. So he's a wonderful role model and example, but he he also was an incredible thinker. He He had this amazing combination of mental skills that we all would like to have. He, he had the abilities of an engineer, but he also had the creativity of a poet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was an English teacher who had an acumen for math. I mean, he had some incredible uh, balance. Uh, and that was one of the key concepts in his life. Uh, the idea that the two most important words in the dictionary were love and balance. And he did everything he could to keep his life surrounded by those two things. Thank you, Lynn. Very interesting. And as I'm thinking of Catherine Turner's book, Catherine, if we look ahead to what we're leaving for our legacy of love, ooh, somebody's got to ring there. Who do we want people to remember us for or by? What do we want them to remember us? It's not too late to be your head coach and your own mentor, right, Lynn? So that when you leave that legacy, if you want somebody to speak at your funeral or your memorial, what is it you wish they would be able to honestly say about you. But I want to move on. We've only got 10 minutes left. Thank you, Lynn. I appreciated that very much. And we'll give websites out at the end of the show. Linda Saltman, I'm going to put you on speaker view. Why don't you take about four minutes and tell us how would you guide people to be inspired by yourself, what you've done, Linda, in terms of singing and creating. It could be a children's story, an adult story. It could be a song, could be a play. It could be a book. It could be a party, anything to, to inspire people in what you call lessons, life lessons, and do it in a lyrical way. Let's just say that, that creativity. Linda Saltman, I'm going to put you on speaker view. Take about four minutes and tell us how you would inspire people, please, with creativity. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I think that Everything around you, if you just really look into things um, and not take anything for granted, uh, is is something really very powerful and positive in trying to uh, create. Uh, one thing in particular, uh, I actually did poetry uh, through going to an acting school, believe it or not. Evelyn Nankin, I don't know. Do, are you familiar with Evelyn Nankin? Oh, okay. No. No. She was a great director in, um, uh, what do you call it again, in New York. And what she did is she taught the Stanislavski method like like it, it should be taught, that you don't go into yourself or anything sad, but you just work within the confines of the book. But what had happened was I had lost my grandma. And uh, she said to me, why don't you come to a session with me? Because she worked with Dr. Jack Leedy 
who was in, uh, who actually was the master of in poetry therapy in his um, mm. uh, what do you call it again in his uh, therapy, and so that's what I did. I went and I I, I, and I <clears throat> excuse me. I, I wound up uh, writing a poem, and the poems don't have to be poems; they are actually. Um, straight from your heart. I mean, poetry is your deepest emotion and you just write out your thought. And I did. And actually, uh, many years later, I entered that poem into a contest and won. Ah. <laughs> I won a cho- choice award for the poem. It's very short. It's uh, fleeting moments scurrying by. Please stop and take a sigh. This moment's gone. Never to be that moment again. Oh, I like it. That's even shorter than a haiku, Linda. <laughs> that was, can you repeat that? I loved it. One more time. Thank you. Fleeting moments scurrying by. Please stop and take a sigh. This moment's gone. Never to be that moment again. Very nice. Very lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So inspiration and methodology come from interesting places, don't they, Linda Saltman? You never know who you're going to meet or what your sadness might be that leads you to a moment of inspiration where you can share a thought with somebody else in a poetic way. And we'll give your website in a couple of minutes. Thank you, Linda. You want to hold up your book? Go ahead. Hold up your book. I, the, the book is like this, but what I actually, um, what do you call again? This is, this is what the... Jiffy pages look in jiffy, but what I also wanted to show you very quickly is the um, I've got a Q and A page in the book. Uh huh. I have we have a, a maze in the book. Right. Did these? Um, and what do you call again? And there's there's another page, but with this book this page is especially um, po- positive in the way that. Uh, that parents, uh, psychologists, everybody can look. The child takes their finger and they put it in, into the circle and uh, twice with their eyes closed and who they stop on, that's who they have to talk about for about a minute. Yeah. And what makes that so positive is because it's, it's um, what do you call it again? It's uh, comprehension and uh, and the child has, to, while the child is talking about it, you get to know what the child is has learned from the story and what, was important in that particular of that particular character as to what what the child remembers. So it, it's it's uh, got a lot a lot of educational uh, joyful um, elements. Thank you, and Mazel Tov to you on a lovely book. I, and I enjoyed the audio; I really did. Thank you very much, mm-hmm. Catherine Turner. We spent a lot of time talking about your book at the front of the show, so I'm not too worried about only being able to give you three minutes here. But why don't you give us some some lasting messages on leaving a legacy? What's your your message on being creative about doing that, Catherine? Okay. Well, I think this is a um, this is pertinent to both what Lynn and you know, what both of them have been talking about. So I feel like we should take our creativity, every one of us, and we should write our own eulogies. You were talking about, right? Yeah. We were talking, you were just, were talking about, you know, what are those final words? What Mm -hmm. are those final, what do we want them to think about us at the end? We decide that. We decide what our final words of wisdom are. And we can have somebody read that verbatim or possibly even have it recorded. Oh <laughs> in my. Our 
with our digital tools. I mean, think about it, Red. Wouldn't you love to have your voice be at your celebration of life? Because everybody, that's what you were known for. So. That's interesting. So it's I'm, a, I'm a paid talker. You're you're absolutely right. That's a very interesting concept. Let me put you back on on uh, gallery view here. Thank you, Catherine. What an interesting idea. Record a message and leave it in digital form for your family to play or share with people. Yes. I don't want a funeral. I just want the people who love me to pass around some things they remember and then just show up. A couple of them show up for the the final goodbye at the yeah we have a mausoleum plot for the whole family so <laughs> yeah I'll be in New York nobody ever come back again but that's okay I'll be with the rest of the family I'm the last one left of, of my immediate family uh, my 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 both parents and my sister are gone so I'll be mm. the fourth fourth box there I tell you what I want to read some closing messages here but first let's I promised you we'll give out websites Lynn Guerin where would you like people to go to read more about you uh, we're at uh, www.thejohnrwoodencourse.com. That's T-H-E, the, John, J-O-H-N, the letter R for middle initial, wooden, W-O-O-D-E-N, the word course. That's a long URL. It, it C-O-U-R-S-E, T-H-E, J-O-H-N-R-W-O-O-D-E-N, C-O-U-R-S-E.com. Did I get it right? Yes. I get a gold star. You're welcome. Linda Saltman, where do you want people to go? It's simple. Joyful children stories.com and uh, I'll spell it J-O-Y-F-U-L joyful children C-H-I-L-D-R-E-N singular but it's a plural noun stories S-T-O-R-I-E-S so it's J-O-Y-F-U-L C-H-I-L-D-R-E-N S-T-O-R-I-E-S dot com Linda and I just wanted to say one other thing that I wanted to say earlier real fast opening the minds of our youth joyfully while making lasting loving memories Love it. Lasting, loving memories is what we're, we're talking about. Catherine Turner, where do you want people to find you? Legacyoflovebook.com. L-E-G-A-C-Y-O-F-L-O-V-E-B-O-O-K.com. See, Correct. the memory's still working. Legacyoflovebook.com. Lynn yeah. Guerin, what do you want to say? Red, real quick, we're also at coachemwayup.com. Coachemwayup.com. C-O-A-C-H-E-M-W-A-Y-U-P.com. Yep. How am I doing my spelling, kids? Okay. Awesome. I have a, thank you. I have a couple. And I've, I've enjoyed speaking with the three of you. Really, thank you for playing in the sandbox with me. It probably wasn't like the other interview you're used to doing, which are very intense and very focused. I just want to have good conversations with interesting people. And you all feel that. So let's all say thank you. We're gonna, we have about a minute and a half left. I want to say thank you. Oh, we lost our, uh, our live stream to Facebook stop somewhere along the line. I don't know how that stopped, but it just stopped streaming. So that's interesting. It just cut out. Yeah. The live streaming stopped. I don't know how many minutes, but it did. You know what? It looks like it's still going, but it's not here on my on my screen here. It doesn't say still still broadcasting, but I'm watching us there. Interesting. Okay. So uh, let me go to everybody say thank you to Josh, my engineer. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Josh. Great job, Josh. And I have a couple of words to live by. I think you'll all appreciate this. Life is short. Break the rules. Forgive Quickly, vite, vite, as the French say, kiss slowly. I tell you, there's no better way to kiss. Love truly, laugh uncontrollably, <laughs> and never regret anything that made you smile. And here's my last word. 
Work like you don't need the money, and if you do, keep working anyway. Dance like no one's watching, and I taught dancing to hundreds of people, and let me tell you, they watched. Sing like nobody's listening, and I only sang a little bit in the beginning of the show, and I try not to. Love like you've never been hurt, because damn, we all have, and it's going to happen again, so do the best you can and get over it. And here's the final. Money talks, chocolate sings, especially dark chocolate. And last but not least, and I stole this line from another radio host years ago, thank you for turning me on. Bye-bye, everybody. Wave. Don't go away, guests. We'll talk in a second. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio, presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.